on that note, <laughs> welcome to The Eight. We are on our very last part of a five-part series talking about emotions. So this entire series has been based off a book titled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And something that very fascinated me about the segment of the book in which we'll talk about today is they asked this question in the book. He kind of talked about it, but and he did like this informal survey. Why do you make Sunday church a habit? I know probably the grammar is not right, but well, why do you make going to church on Sunday such a habit? Why do you prioritize that? And this survey question was asked to a wide array of people. And it was super fascinating people's answer on why do they go to church on Sunday. And I want to share with you some of the responses uh, that came from the book. Some people said, I'm forced to. Some said, the person next to me or the I'm dragged here. I'm forced to come to church. Somebody else said, to minimize my guilt. I, I'm going to assume like, you know, I feel guilty of certain things I've, I do or I did. So it's kind of minimize or suppress that guilt. Let me do one good, good thing to make myself feel like I'm a good person. Let me go to church, right, to suppress or minimize my guilt. A third thing came from parents. Is that I go to, I go to church for my kids, not for myself. I just want to be a good example for my kids. Another thing some people said, uh, I go because I signed up to serve. Like, I, I want to serve, I serve, so this is why I go. I have a responsibility, I signed up, so I want to be committed and faithful to my service, so that's why I go to church. Some people said, I go to church out of habit. Like, I, I just, I don't know what else to do. I feel kind of bad or weird if I stay home on a Sunday, so I go out of habit. Some people said, I only go when things are not going well in my life. I only go to church when things are not going well in my life. And then the last thing that came out from that survey, which is definitely the one dearest to my heart, People saying, I want to give God or the church another chance. Maybe it was part of their childhood, but they stepped away and they said, well, let me give church another chance. And they do end up coming. So that really stuck out to me as far as this question. But anywho, you and I love motivating pictures like this. We love motivating quotes. We love seeing Instagram reels and memes. Well, not memes, I guess, but pictures, whatever you call them. You love seeing all that stuff on social media that just make us pumped up and motivated and make us feel nice and warm and gushy inside. I can do it. I believe I can fly, right? We love all that type of stuff. We love that temporary feeling that I got this and we, we can do this. But let's kind of like get back to like, let's, let's kind of like come back to earth for a second. Before we get lost in all this nice fluffy, like I feel good about myself and motivated and I can do this before we get lost in all that let's just get to reality for a second motive is unrelated to outcome I believe I can fly I believe I can fly I or what's the I, I think I can I think I can I don't think nobody knows what that, anybody know what that is I think I can I think I can yeah okay yeah yeah so there we go very good so that's my childhood right there so you, you, I can have the right motivation but that is completely unrelated to outcome I can be motivated to do something, but it's completely unrelated to outcome. This is why in the Coptic Orthodox tradition, when it comes to weddings, this is why the bride and the groom do not say anything. They don't say, again, with all respect to every like, type of like, version of Christianity, in Orthodoxy, the bride and the groom do not say, you know, I love you till death to us part. That doesn't exist. Because I can be motivated to love you till death to us part, but I can be motivated and say the right things that, that, that shed tears. That doesn't produce the right outcome. I can say the right things that necessarily that doesn't necessarily bring the right outcome. So mo having a good motive is unrelated to outcome, right? I can be totally motivated to be in the World Cup. By the way, today is the beginning of the World Cup. I attack me motiv motivated to be in the World Cup to be, but I can be motivated. Doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. So it, it, motivation is just one element of it, but it's unrelated to eventually having the outcome you want. 
the sad reality, I should say sad, but the real reality is discipline. Discipline is the virtue I need to practice, and that requires delayed gratification. You hate this. I hate this. You hate, you hate delayed gratification. You press order, submit. You want that thing at your door tomorrow morning. You hate delayed gratification, right? You, you hate to be able to wait. I gotta wait until, and you keep on refresh, refresh. You tracking that box, right? You hate delayed gratification. But discipline requires delayed gratification. In, in, our, in our culture, American society, we hate to, to wait for something. But discipline requires delayed gratification. So it is the virtue of discipline is what's required of me in order for me to eventually reach the outcome in which I want. As I mentioned, this entire series is, talk is us talking about how to be emotionally healthy. Because let's face it, emotions are a beautiful part of us that has been ordained from God, but our emotions can throw us off. It is a fragile aspect of the human experience. But when we are thrown off balance, that means one emotion has taken us off course and it's just thrown us off. It ends up getting the best of us, it gets the best of our marriages, it gets the best of our relationships and friendships because our emotions throw us off. So kind of really for the past five parts here, or the, we're wrapping it up today, what facilitates, the, the, here comes the million dollar question, what facilitates the development of being more emotionally healthy? Right? We can sit there and talk about how to be emotionally healthy. We talked about grief. We talked about how to find that balance of different emotions. You name it, okay? We talked about all of that. But what facilitates the development of being more emotionally healthy? This is our topic for today. And what facilitates the development for you and I to be emo more emotionally healthy, which will ground us, ground us in our relationships, where we will not be, have this bitterness or grudge be planted within us to avoid any of that and for us to be emotionally healthy what is required of us is a daily personal canon what on earth is that and let me just go ahead and say what this is not this is not this type of canon and it's definitely not th that type of canon so what are we talking about here when I say the daily, a daily personal canon? So let me just show you a real picture. So in orthodoxy, in this 2,000-year-old Christian uh, expression of, of, of Christianity, there's something titled canons. So canons are, are, are not rules. Canons are not rules, but are guidelines that the church has given us over the centuries that guide us toward edification. Canons are guides that lead us toward being emotionally healthy, for us to be spiritually healthy, for us to be grounded, for us to be balanced. So there's a wide array of different canons over a wide array of subjects. Many of them came from the different councils of the church, uh, Nicaea, Constantinople, you name it. They come from a wide array of different gatherings, and they have been embedded throughout the, the church over the centuries. You might look at a canon and be like, that is so outdated, we shouldn't be able to follow that, that's the year 2022, that doesn't apply to us anymore. But the reality is, these canons of the church evolve of us understanding the principle or the spirit of the canon and how they can be applied to us today. Even the word canon, in, in Hebrew and Arabic, I think it's, you pronounce it kanun. The word kanun, or canon, is actually a rod that is put into, into, the, into the water. And this cannon that you put in the water helps you gauge how high or low the water is. So if I'm a farmer and I want to know what I need to do for the land, I put the cannon in the, in the ground for me to gauge the water level. And then from there, I determine what I need to do for the ground. In the same way, spiritual cannons 
having a daily rhythm to different canons of my life help me know what I need to do, what I need to do less of, what I need to do more of, they kind of guide me. So a very ancient practice that happens now, even in the monasteries and even in the city life as well, many people would go to a spiritual father and says, I need a spiritual canon. What canon do I need that will help guide me? Basically, what are some spiritual exercises that will help me and help guide me? So this is why an integral part for us to be emotionally healthy is a daily personal canon. In other words, quiet time. What is your daily habit as far as spending time with your heavenly father? And right now you're thinking, man, I wish, but you have no idea how much stuff I have on my calendar. You, I wish, but you know how much stuff I got to do in the morning before I have to head out to work. I, I, I know you're busy, but just hold that thought, hold that thought. But I want us to talk about the principle, how essential it is for us to have that daily personal canon. If, if, if God and his church has prioritized this in order for us to be emotionally healthy. Who are we then to sit there and come up with new modern day excuses of why that doesn't apply to me? I always fall asleep, I always get distracted. So I get. You're not alone, you're not alone, but it is essential for us to be healthy to have this daily personal canon. So again, canon is a code or a standard or a measure for me to know the direction I need to go for my edification. It's something in which you pre-decide it's nothing you wake up tomorrow, do I have time to have a quiet time or not? It's not something you decide tomorrow morning. It's something you pre-decide. You determine it beforehand. It becomes part of your lifestyle. It becomes part of that daily rhythm to the point that it becomes part of your daily rhythm that when you, you, uh, when you do miss a day, you feel off. It becomes a daily rhythm to your life. It, be it becomes something you pre-decide. When you do this, this is how it becomes embedded into the very fabric of your daily and weekly schedule. You already have daily canons when it comes to brushing your teeth. Or at least you hope, I hope you have that, right? You have a daily canon of, of brushing your teeth. Of, you have that. So all this, you don't see it. You don't see it, the, the fruit of you brushing your teeth tomorrow morning. You don't, like, you don't brush tomorrow morning and be like, that was the best decision I made, man. Look how white my teeth. You don't say that because it's something that compounds on top of each other. Discipline requires delayed gratification. Discipline requires delayed gratification. Apply this to every aspect of our lives. We want things instant. We talked about that issue. Why wasn't it solved right then, right? We want things now. But discipline requires delayed gratification. It is so tempting for us to be churchy. It's so tempting for us to be churchy and not Christ-like. What do I mean by that? It's so tempting for us to go through the motions of church. I need to get to church by this time. Can't get me too late. Definitely don't want to go too early. I go through church, and I go this Sunday. I want to make sure I go every week, right? You, 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 you start, you start going through the church emotions. Oh, it's time for fasting. All right, time for fasting. Oh, we got holy. Okay, we got, and you start, you go through the motions of just doing church. It's tempting to get stuck in that cycle, as opposed to becoming more intimately like Jesus. This requires us to be able to look within ourselves and for us to attain that emotional health. So this is why. At San Mark Church, we have a mission statement. For, we exist to, 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 to be connected to the fullness of life. We also have three core values. Come as you are, transcendent worship, and become the light. But if I kind of look further into the second core value, transcendent worship, every word is intentional of how we wrote this. Liturgical, which is communal, which is corporate prayer, churchy. Liturgical and personal worship points us to something so much bigger than ourselves. Our participation in the sacramental life 
is the foundation of our ancient faith and allows us to enter into a transformational life in Jesus. So it requires both. It requires the communal, corporate worship, liturgical worship. It does require the personal. But let's be real. It is a little bit easier, at least for me, I feel it's a little bit easier to, to, to be connected to liturgical worship, right? Because it might be a little bit easier because I'm connected with others. It's psychological. When I see other people praying, I'm more engaged. But the personal canon, that personal quiet time is essential. So we need the balance between the both. Why am I saying all this? You want to be more emotionally grounded. You want to be emotionally healthy. Sometimes a bitterness, a grudge, an anger, a jealousy, you name it, does throw us off. But what will help us recenter ourselves is building this daily rhythmic canon to our lives. And nobody better to look at of how to have this daily rhythm than Jesus. And I want to share with you some evidence from early followers and researchers and gospel writers and how Jesus emulated this, how Jesus became the icon of finding that balance and that daily personal canon. So this is from St. Luke, a physician. He did this out from his research on, on Jesus. He said this. The news about him, Jesus, spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So St. Luke records, more and more people were coming to him, but Jesus withdrew. Think about what you and I do. More and more stuff is added to your plate. More and more is pushed on you to do. What do we do? We, at least for me, I don't do this. He withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know why you, you and I hate lonely places? We feel alone. But can we get to a point for us to be in a lonely place but not feel alone? We hate stillness. We hate quietness. But for us to be in a lonely place and to embrace the reality of us not being alone, it's so difficult in the beginning. It's so difficult in the beginning. But it is a muscle in which we need to build. So as the demand and responsibilities on Jesus became more and more, as St. Luke records, that he often withdrew himself. And you, I, I, at least for me, my th first thing is like, you're Jesus, you're God. You only got X amount of time left on this earth. Just go hard, man. Just, just, get, just go, 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 go. Heal, heal, heal. Right? Just, just push, push, push. But he's becoming an icon for us that as our responsibilities grow, how essential it is for us to prioritize. But the first thing that we take off our schedule is church, is quiet time. That's the first thing that has to go. And then we wonder, how, did, like, how are we off emotionally? Maybe we need to prioritize this personal canon. Another example written by St. Mark, our patron saint, very early in the morning, right? Are you kidding? Morning. I mean, St. Mark is intentionally writing down the time of the day. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, right? So, he's make, so if you notice, the gospel writers are making a big deal about the environment, the ambiance, the vibe of the place for us to connect in quiet time, right? It's not just something on the go. It's not in the bathroom. It's not in the shower, right? It, it, there's something about the setting for us to be connected. Left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed. They've been looking for Jesus. So when they end up telling Jesus, they told him this. Check your phone. We're trying to contact you. Right? 
for us, it's the same thing for us right now, right? If, if, you, if you and I are not glued and married to this, right? We, we can't sleep without this, right? This is always connected to us. But if we don't have this right next to us, right? And then we check in and everybody's like, where have you been? We're trying to contact you. Look at your phone, right? The, the, the pressure on us for us to be able to disconnect. Put that thing on airplane mode. I, pr- I promise you, nothing's going to happen, right? D- to disconnect and to find that solitary place to regroup to recenter, to, to ground yourself in the source of life. How essential is that? By the way, this is, like, obviously that's not the Bible. So it says, uh, every, everyone is looking for you, right? That's what it says. They exclaimed, everyone is looking for you, right? So the disciples, are, or the disciples don't get this yet. The, to them, they're super task-oriented. But Jesus is trying to rebalance them. So the disciples are saying, everyone's looking for you. You have so much to do, Jesus. You're in such a demand. But Jesus wasn't just people pleasing, trying to please others, but he understood he needed to ground himself in being emotionally healthy. So that daily, rhythmic, personal canon is critical. The more our calendar becomes packed, and the more responsibility you and I have, the more it is essential for us to have that quiet time. But for many of us, it's the first thing to go. And maybe, you, maybe you're here, you're listening to this, maybe you've never tried it before. I encourage you to give it a shot. If you're not sure where to start, I would love for us to sit. But to just start and, and to, to build that rhythm, I promise you, you will notice something beginning to change within you. You're, the, the perspective of how you look at that annoying person, every time you get agitated, you'll notice something is beginning to change because you're prioritizing and beginning your day, your week, with Speaking of week, I'm talking about a daily canon, but I also want us to talk about a weekly personal canon, right? So now we have, we have the daily canon, but I also want us to talk about a weekly canon, and this involves communal worship. And another word for communal worship, or the, another word for Sunday, I should say, is the word Sabbath. Sabbath, and here's the Hebrew there for anyone who might know Hebrew. So what is, like, what is this, what is this weekly rhythm of having uh, a Sabbath. So the word Sabbath means to cease, to stop working. To cease or to stop working. So it, it, for Sunday, by design, if you, for those who were watching the video in the beginning, by design, you and I are wired to rest. But what is our go-to thing when we think of rest? We think couch, scroll, binge watching. That's to us rest. Vacation is rest. More sleep is rest. I get it. I'm not saying anything wrong with all that. But by divine design, this is not what gives you the deepest sense of rest. I'm not telling you not, not to do any of that. But we, we need to ask the source of life, how am I wired? How am I wired to, to, to find rest? And it is in him. It's that quietness. It's beginning or ending the week, however you want to look at it, the eighth day, as the video alluded to. In communal worship, in liturgical worship, is prioritizing Sunday. But for us, things come in our schedule, and we, we just say, or we, we decide on Saturday, I'm not going to church. And we, but it's a decision we need to prioritize. Why? You are wired that way from God. So who am I to go against that? So I need to find that ultimate source of rest. Not from the next vacation, not from that thing, not from whatever, but that ultimate source of rest is being in his presence and abiding within him sacramentally. You know, there's something nice in the, in the liturgical prayers of the church. There's something called the litany of the travelers. Litany of the travelers. Litany is just a fancy word for prayer. So there's a prayer in which we pray for those who are traveling. 
those who are traveling by, and the church becomes very elaborate, and it's saying, we pray for those who are traveling by, by rivers, lakes, roads, air, or those who are traveling by any other means, everyone, everywhere. Lead them to a, calm, a, a, lead them to a haven of, of calmness and safety. Right? This is the gist of the prayer. But do you know what day of the week this litany is never prayed? Sunday. The rites of the Orthodox Church, the canons of the church, by the way, I totally forgot about my prop. This is one of my favorite books uh, from seminary. It's called Orthodox Canon Law. And, 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 and you can look at some of the canons and see how they're interpreted and how they're applied into the church. So it's a fascinating topic, but um, totally off topic. Where was I? Canons. Sunday. Thank you. I need to prioritize so the litany of the travelers. Litany of the travelers is never prayed on Sundays. Why? Because the church in the early centuries understood nobody's traveling on Sunday. You travel throughout the week, but then you are back home. You're back at a home church. You're part of the church family on Sunday. This is why the, the, the church does not pray the litany of the travelers ever on Sunday, because the church understands this is a time for us to group. But throughout the week, we might be praying the litany of the travelers, and we, we say, bring them back to their own, bring them back to, to, to their own home with joy and safety. The church is praying that throughout the whole week, but on Sunday, no, because the church understands everyone is already home. No one's traveling. Everyone is ceasing to work. Everyone is resting on the Sabbath for them to regroup, reset themselves before the new week. This is how you and I are wired. But God's people, we have a tendency to become legalistic. We have a tendency to become legalistic. That a canon is all about do's and don'ts. The church is all about do's and don'ts. And we reduce a relationship to just being transactional. And that becomes cancer to our soul. So you and I might have a tendency to do that. The church and people in the church might have a tendency to do that. So God's people in the early centuries definitely had that tendency to do that. But God was trying to teach his people the importance of the Sabbath. I mean, for crying out loud, if God, the Trinity, created the world in six days and had a seventh day of rest, you're God. You're uncreated. You're omnipotent. You're, why on earth do you need rest? He's showing us the rubric. He's showing us the framework and how we are designed to live. So God is embedding that back into humanity for them to understand the idea of rest instead of them falling into this rabbit hole and this trap of just go, 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 work, 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 pack up the schedule, and then oh, this, Sunday's my only day I get to sleep in. That's why they call Father Nate. Man. Anyway, right? So the, the, Jesus said this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is telling the Sabbath, this day of rest, is for you. This is for your salvation. This is for you to be emotionally healthy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting this upon you for you to be a Debbie Downer and for you to kind of just throw off everything else you got to do and all your responsibilities. No, Sabbath is made for you. Like, what is God, what is Jesus saying? Rest is for you. This is how you're wired. You're not, you're not wired to just put pedal to the metal and just go all the time. This is not how you're designed. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Another example from Deuteronomy that Jesus told his, the, the chosen people, the Jewish people. Jesus, I mean, sorry, God told them this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it apart from the rest of the week. That's the word holy. Consecrate it. Make it distinct, separate than the rest of the week. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. So God is trying to tell them, you need to keep this day holy. They have just left slavery. They have just left Egypt. And, and they're trying to build now this daily rhythmic canon and this weekly rhythmic canon. 
So God is telling them, you need to make sure that you structure your work week. You, you say no to certain things, say yes to other things. You need to set those healthy boundaries in order to prioritize, in order to prioritize rest, in order to, to prioritize the Sabbath. Don't let anything else trump that, right? So observe the Sabbath. Remember, God reminds them, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of, out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You know what God is telling them? God is telling them, you get slavery. You get that. Don't fall into that same trap by overscheduling yourself and, and keeping your whole weekend packed and you can't even spend time with me. Don't fall into another version of slavery. God is saying, remember, remember, slave, remember the whole thing I got, remember the whole most, yeah, let my people, remember all that stuff I did for you? Don't, don't, don't fall into another version of slavery. You just prioritize everything else except that daily and weekly canon of Sabbath, of rest, of quiet time. There is one famous restaurant based here in Atlanta that's closed today. And by the way, your random trivia, the president of Chick-fil-A is an Orthodox Christian himself. Yeah, and uh, it's cool because I'm able to get uh, twice a week free Chick-fil-A because of that. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, 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 I'm kidding. But if the foundation of one of the biggest companies in America was founded on, on this idea of rest, and because of that, instead of them falling into the trap of trying to get more money, that they prioritize that this is, I, I feel, again, I might be biased because it's good food, I, I, I might be biased, I think this is why they've thrived. Is because they have prioritized this. You and I are designed to thrive. You and I are designed to thrive. But it might require us to look at the rubric of life and ask, how am I wired? I know you and I feel good when we get tasks done. You and I feel good when we're able to sleep in. You and I feel good when we're saying, you know, I just, I went to church the past three Sundays. I don't need to go again. Right? We, we, be, we, we build these wonderful narratives to justify. But what if we can reach a higher level of being emotionally healthy and balanced? And what if God wants to do amazing things through you, but it might require us to find that rest and honoring the Sabbath and building that daily and weekly rhythm canon to our lives? Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, it is through you in which we find our lives. Nothing else can fill that void. Nothing else can, can quench that thirst other than you. Lord, we live in a world that's always on the go, and there's tremendous demands and responsibilities on all of us. But Lord, I pray that we do not fall into the trap that the first thing that we remove off our list to create that space, to create that margin is not our quiet time, is not church. But Lord, give us that boldness to be able to set those healthy boundaries for us to say no to certain things in order for us to say you, say yes to you, in order for us to find rest in you. Lord, help us to find that balance emotionally. Give us strength to find that balance in just our, our daily and weekly schedules for us to prioritize being in your presence. Lord, I ask that as we wrap up this series, 
that it doesn't just come and go, that I pray that our conversations in life group do not just come and go, but that we can continue to strengthen our relationship together in our life groups, that it continues, that we continue to build that momentum, and for us to have your words rooted within us, for us to attain that emotional health in which you have beautifully designed us to have. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.